that when you show a little bit of progress, they take a chunk away. And that doesn't make any sense. Right. You're exactly right. And sometimes so, people just need to be heard. They need to be heard. And what I think about is that we have like 10 tons of bricks on our, on our shoulders. And then we're trying to communicate to people and they think that's who we are. That's not who we are. That's our situation. And people aren't their situation. People are themselves something completely different than what they're grunting to you from under the pressure that they have, you know? It's time now for something positive. We might be headed to the promised land the of promised speaking land, the truth the and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. Of conscience. Because conscience. that is how it works. This is the beginning. It is not the finale. And that's why we're here. And that's why we rally, 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 rally. We've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. Creative minority. A way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. So, Jeffrey, I got a question for you. And I, mm-hmm. I, I always want to ask it. It's dumb. Nobody else is going to care. Go ahead and go to the bathroom, grab your food, whatever, people. So, no, you, I'm not going to measure my penis on air for you. Well, there's magazines that'll do that for you. <laughs> so roosters right a rooster crows how did i know it was about cocks anyways <laughs> right you're very intuitive that way so uh, there's a rooster a few couple roosters by my house and they start at three in the morning but they end at 11 at night and to me i think that that's uh how do i and that's anxiety for the rooster like i don't think that's healthy is it do roosters just crow i thought they crowed at the sun like we invented a bird that told you when the sun was up and told you when the sun was down but this one just goes endlessly well um so i'm not necessarily uh your foremost expert on roosters Ah, but what i can say is is that yeah there you go (laughs) google (laughs) google cock experts safe search off there you go (laughs) Uh, oh my no, <laughs> <laughs> no you know um i mean it, it sounds like there might be uh some stress there for the bird i mean i there definitely you know some roosters are a lot more vocal than others and you know it could be that just you know whatever the breed of rooster that they have you know is just a very vocal bird and some you know roosters do crow a lot you know it's the idea that you know it's 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 the movies and the cartoons that it's like oh they only crow at the sun no they don't they crow a lot they, they do, actually really do yeah uh but but from the sounds of it like if it's like you know very continuous you know, that sounds like it might be a stressed out bird that's what and, i'm thinking like you have four hours of sleep i just think this bird is just yeah stressed out i feel i mean i'd for the be bird. I'd be screaming all the time if I only got four hours of sleep. So right, but and so like a farmer generally puts it in in a dark place so that it can sleep, right? Like, and a rooster can sleep. I read up to fourteen, eighteen hours a day. So it's not that's not the issue. It's the way the person is handling the bird, maybe. Quite possibly, absolutely. Like, you know, you've you've got to have a solid routine and and getting them up at freak you know putting them in bed at 11 o'clock at night and then shutting them up at you know four o'clock or mm-hmm. releasing them at four in the morning is, is not not necessarily the greatest thing poor rooster um it, i mean people people you know i i know people who have their birds on like a schedule like you know they get they get shut in at 10 o'clock in the you know 10 o'clock at night and then opened up at you know six o'clock in the morning right routine things like that animals need you routines know. too right you know, it's some do dusk dawn type stuff because, you know, you've got a number of predators around and by Thank getting you, them in, yeah. it, you, you know, and, and having it follow more, more of a photo period than say, you know, just a time period. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and, and, and I think that is also helpful, but yeah, it, I don't know. And it could be a vocal bird. It could be a stressed out bird. Hard and to it's kind of like my question about cows. How would cows survive without us? How is it that roosters that crow 20 hours a day 
would ever survive on the planet without humans protecting them. Because you, yes, yeah, no, what that you're saying is that it's just like a signal to predators to come and get my stuff. But I also know that a rooster crowing like fertilizes the chickens, so it needs to be done, right? And I'm not, I'm not about to go to like animal cruelty and rat on this rooster owner. I'm just kind of curious because there's dogs here and they bark, right? Little dogs, they yip all the time. And that's not happy. That's not a happy dog. That's a scared dog. And I, people need to understand that like an out of control, domesticated animal is nervous. It's scared. It's not happy. It's not having fun when it's jumping and biting and, you know, barking. Like that's not a happy mm-hmm. dog. And I don't think people understand that they're like, Oh, I know where my dog is. Cause it's barking. No, it's scared of something. Even if that something is a shadow or a squirrel, you know? Right, right, right. Yes. Right. So yeah, I mean, probably, you know, not the most help, but at the same time, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, hard to say without you know going and visiting, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, where they're kept to find out. Cause you know, there's, and I would also say too, like, you know, I'm very much a, uh, I'm very much a person who's like, look, you know, you should know where your food comes from and your food makes sounds. Right. Um, yeah. 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 You know, cause you know, chickens are, you know, chickens cluck and they, you know, they, they'll screech at predators and mm-hmm. roosters crow and cows moo and sheep bleat and all that other fun stuff. And yeah. then, and then there's, you know, a bang or a not so bang and, you know, you got dinner on the table yep. and that's, and that's reality. And to me it's 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 one of those things where it's like you know we we have a we have a wonderful society that has allowed you know people to you know congregate in spaces in mass Mm -hmm. and have these peaceful and serene settings but at the same time too you know they've become disconnected from you know the idea that their food actually made noise before it was sliced up and put on the grocery store shelf yeah that we really ha- i always say that if i was if i had to kill something to eat meat i'd be a vegetarian because i just couldn't do it other people can and so i'm happy for them for doing it i am not somebody oh, that not, could you know and that's the thing is like i'm not saying that you need to be able to do that you know you that you need to be able to kill mm-hmm. your own animal and eat it i can i mean i'm used to i know i'm not but i'm not judging you that's what i'm trying to say exactly and i'm not judging the person who's like no i can't do this like look I've had to do some stuff that I like never thought that I could do. And if I had the choice, I'd never do it again. Like putting down your own pets is pretty rough. Yeah. 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 Seeing death of any kind is really tough for me and I've watched it my whole life. So creating it is just not something I would want to do. But, you know, even for me, like, you know, like I've, I've watched a number of animals get to the point that they're suffering. And so Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, like seeing that suffering, versus having to put them down yeah it sucks for me to have to do that but the idea that i would leave an animal alive to suffer like that yeah. sucks even worse they have you know? they have shorter lifespans so that we can take care of more of them that's what i always say mm-hmm. when a pet dies so you know and, and don't get me wrong like you know i would much i would much rather prefer a, a more peaceful means of of my animals passing but sometimes you don't get that option and right sometimes you sometimes it's you know like for example i'm not, I'm not getting close to a, an animal with rabies it's not fucking happening exactly good point you know and 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 that's unfortunate and and i also don't believe in being absent when it's time to put down said animal you know, mm-hmm. when it, you know, and, and I say that, you know, and then, and, and I say animal, not as a term of, you know, like, oh, well, you know, you just think less of them. I honestly think we should be able to do that to people too. And, and agree, especially like yeah. those, the, especially those that are suffering terminal, like the idea that the idea that we have to let a person suffer to death is so fucking cruel and inhumane to me. Yeah. And that's as somebody who's grown up on a farm and have had to put down animals. And that's and religion who's gone and hunting. government, honestly, that's religion exactly. and government to me. Like it, there is no reason why there is no good reason that you can quote to me. That's going to make me say, mm, yes, we should let this person suffer painfully to death. Sure, our system, you know, our system profits more on storing you. Not when you're not when you're fucking disabled and and you can't do anything and you're fucking miserable. Right. Then you go and, to an institution and they monitor your breaths and they make money off of storing you in that room. You know what I mean? 
unless unless you don't have any fucking next of kin or anything like that if you're literally all alone mm-hmm. and nobody's paying f- for your way there they'll build yeah somebody. that's just that's what they did to but, my mom they build they build but they also gave the crappiest the crappiest um attention to her because they didn't mm-hmm. make much off of her so she got crappier care but they did oh, they absolutely. housed her until she died you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> which in which case you know that's you know for me i would love to have the ability to you know say you know if if i'm terminal or if if things have gone downhill that mm-hmm. i can sit down and say you know what my time on this planet's done and you know this is awful i feel miserable i don't have a quality of life right i'm gonna call it you know and and have all of my stuff set aside and taken care of so that way nobody else has to deal with my shit when i go right it's a percentage of good days versus bad days at some point in every life you can determine that the future days are going to be just as bad as the past days like there is no more positive moments left for you in your life you've seen it all you've done it all you're about to die in a few months it's just there's nothing left you don't have to suffer you could end you know but it's a zero sum if there's a chance for a quality of life then you shouldn't really consider suicide but if you absolutely if you have no chance of a positive future you know no no moments of joy left nobody you know like there's constant pain constant suffering you know you you can't move can't go anywhere can't do anything like it's yeah at some point it's like no this is it this is done you know and and everybody has right absolutely and and i think that's important and and you know i that's something that you know i give to my pets that are my family members and Mm -hmm. you know like sitting here looking at billy bones it's like the idea of having to put down Billy Bones is something that I've already reconciled. At some point, I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. And I fucking hate it. But I fucking hate the idea of letting her suffer more. Yep. And, you know, luckily she's two and a half years old and a sassy little shithead. And mm-hmm. I got plenty of years left with her, you know, to be my buddy. So, yeah. but that's, but that's the thing that you have to reconcile with, you know, any pet that becomes a family member is, is that at some point they're going to be suffering and you have to decide when you are going to say, I'm not going to let this animal suffer anymore on account of myself. Right. You know, when you think about what happens in nature, sure. Like a lot of the times these, you know, the, these animals will, you know, be left to die on their on their own and mm-hmm. and that's a that's you know in a way a sad thing and and sometimes they you know go out catastrophically you know mm-hmm. that happens you know you've got predators and scavengers out there you know but when they're sitting there in our home like that they don't have that right and so we we have reconciled ourselves to spending a ton on a ton of money on medication and surgeries that prolong their life for another 30 60 90 days right and that's just bullshit you know i don't want to go through that kind of shit for myself why would i want to do that to my dog agreed agreed and i feel that that's how it should be with people like family mm -hmm. should get together with physician and determine it and i don't think there's any place in the law for that like stay out of that oregon right oregon does it i mean it's okay to allow it i'm just saying that a law to prevent that just shouldn't be a part of government and and look you know and that's uh, and and that's one of those things like you know you're never going to get mississippi alabama georgia to have anything like that Mm -hmm. oregon washington california probably you know will and guess what it's you know you're going to have people that move there to die and that's going to be unfortunate but when your option is to die miserably or die on your own terms and you know and give everybody you know that's the thing is like give everybody the chance to grieve with you right and you know and rather than like watching somebody just deteriorate and decay it's Mm -hmm. so fucking terrible to watch and it's you don't enjoy that right there was a you know there was an npr story about a girl that wanted to have assisted suicide and then her mom got sick and so she didn't know if she should until her mom could be a part of it and then her mom came back out of it and they had a new relationship that made this girl so happy but then mom got sick again and then now this girl is back to wanting assisted suicide. her own life is sucks it's unbearable her disability is is a hundred percent pain all the time. The only thing making it worth it was her mom 
the relationship she suddenly had with her mom. And now that that was gone, she's back to a zero sum, no happiness. And yeah, like mm-hmm. it's, we need to give people that chance. I think I don't, I like, if it's something that affects me, the government should stay out of it. We were talking about drugs and I thought the most conservative thing I think is we should just make all drugs legal and the people that are addicted and won't survive will just kill themselves. And the people that are going to survive will figure a way out of it. And that's the most conservative asshole version of anything that I have. Well, well, I mean, (laughs) sorry. And I feel that way about assisted suicide. You, you, you don't have the right to tell me what I can do with my own life. But if that affects somebody else negatively, if killing myself injures somebody else, then it's not something I can do without other considerations. Same with drugs. If it isn't affecting you, I want to fucking go out on crack and kill myself. That's my prerogative, not yours, you know? You know, and, and, and really it's, you know, to me, the you know, having places where, the you know, the government can, you know, tax the sales of it is... M- I would say much more in line with mm-hmm. what should be done versus versus this whole like spending a bunch of money on trying to prevent something that is happening anyways. It's, right. It's 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 not like you know fucking murder for example because you, you inevitably hear that oh well I guess if we just made murder like no motherfucker don't even. Mm-mm. You know this is a person that's making a choice to put something into their body. It's right. not a great choice. And, oh, it isn't. But it is what it is. Now you can sit down and you can spend all of this money trying to arrest them, harass them, run them through the system and prison them, mm-hmm. you know, all these other things, or you can either a, you know, give them the legal option to consume what they're already doing, allow people to make money off of that, allow people to, you know, collect tax money for the government off of that. So you're already, you know, making more money off of it than you were. Mm-hmm. And then B, you can offer an off ramp to those who are already doing it, you know, and, right. and they're like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. This sucks. This isn't enjoyable. That's right. And the reality of that is when it comes to these things, you know, the, the, the groups of, well, if we just banned it, you know, you know, we've been watching this. Well, if we just banned it play out and it is just not working if we just banned it more kids would die of fentanyl because it's not regulated exactly whereas you know you've got i mean black markets would become less than they are right now and you could restrict certain things like for example we saw that you know when when we became legal in a bunch of different states opioid use decreased significantly Mm -hmm. why because there was an option there that had you know there's some weed out there that has a fucking kick to it. It'll put you to sleep and you won't care about your pain. Exactly. You know, versus, you know, somebody, you know, instead of taking fucking heroin, <laughs> you know, you've, you've offered, you've offered different options, better options. Yeah. Mushrooms is another one, for example, yeah. like, you know, you've got somebody who ends up taking a trip. They're not overdosing on mushrooms. They're fucking falling asleep is what's happening. But they're changing their mental perspective like mushrooms are awesome like for just from a if you ever have an impasse in your life do acid because it opens up so many tangents and doors for you you'll see so many perspectives you'll have to go somewhere from that point (laughs) Mm -hmm. but that's me i just find it hypocritical that like yeah opioids alcohol cigarettes those are legal right and they can destroy your life but no heroin meth these things no you can't do it because we judge that it's just weird to me legalize everything you know and let people make their own legalize it legalize it sell it tax it fund the care that's going to come after because the safety net and offer off ramps like yeah here's exactly you can buy it but you're gonna have to sit here and smoke it like at a group or something you know i don't know that's and that's the thing is i would love to see what the statistics are and how much gets spent on drug prevention right versus how much actual drug prevention takes place yeah because i guarantee you the expenditure versus what is actually you know causing this to stop is probably like and when i say drug prevention i mean like law enforcement Mm -hmm. um court proceedings jailing you know punitive actions versus you know um things like uh 
health programs, drug addiction programs, methadone, uh, you know, methadone or, you know, off ramp programs like that. I guarantee you that the, the law enforcement side of this hasn't fucking worked and you're just spending a bunch of money on people doing the same shit continually versus you put people to work that are already working in a black market. So now they're in the sunlight and they're getting taxed and regulated you are now collecting money to actually fund these programs that are drastically underfunded and just trying to do what they can. Mm-hmm. And you allow law enforcement to focus on things that are more of a violent priority. You know, like I said, I, I don't need cops fucking with the person who's, you know, on a bad heroin trip on the fucking sidewalk. Right. You know, I need, I need some, I need a medic there to make sure that if they need Narcan, they're going to get Narcan. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, you know, here's what I need the cops doing is, you know, we've got cases of domestic violence running rampant. We've got trafficking that has to get dealt with. We've got, you know, murders that have happened and need proper investigation. Fucking spend your time and money on that. Like those people need to be in fucking jail and we need to find out who they are and your job. I appreciate putting you putting yourself in the line of danger for those things. But, but fucking with people who are on drugs because they literally have nowhere else to go. Right. That is, that is literally a negative expenditure. Right. Because your time is not, your time is most likely not changing their life. The court's time is not changing their life. The jail time is not changing their life. And you're spending a bunch of that tax money that could be used on either services or policing efforts for more violent things. Right. So that reminds me of something. It's a math. It's a math thing. It's an easy math thing. And and is you know we we try to do this whole guise of you know oh well if we just did all of these things you know we would have Mm. okay we've been doing them for fucking forty years and it hasn't worked yet. Right. At some point you have to go. This isn't working. It's time to try something else. I wish they would. And then that's and that's what's got to happen. Yeah. It remind you reminded me of something you said a couple weeks ago about migration. You were like, the Ameri- if you think the American dream is dead, it's alive in their eyes. And I, now that's something I think of when I think about immigration. People are so hostile to immigration unnecessarily. We spend such so much money on the border and protection and prevention, you know. And the truth is, is the people are coming here. The American dream is alive in their eyes. They're not here to destroy it. They're not here to take your jobs. They just want to make a better life for themselves, their community, and their families. And I don't know why people have such a problem with that, but thank you for altering my perspective on that. And I think people should be allowed to do what they want if it doesn't harm other people. I don't know if the government, why the government thinks that they have control over people's lives that way just get out of the way you know you'll be happier when i'm happier (laughs) well and and really what it boils down to is is that you know we have we have inter we have allowed government to interject themselves in ways that aren't helpful right like and that's and that's the key part of this like to me jail is for violent offenders people who are actively doing harm to other community members Mm -hmm. people who are doing harm to themselves need support and assistance to get out of that cycle right they don't need jail (laughs) right they need college they need they need they need need a hand they need a, a program that's going to help them. Number one, get off the drugs. Number yeah. two, help them understand what medically is going to happen next. Number three, help them mentally process all of these things. Number oh God, four, they yeah. you know have housing that is stable to get them started on this pathway out yeah. of the system. And number five, a bunch of clear, uh, clear assistance guidelines that get them employed, get them working, get them mental health help, get them stabilized and help them transition to life on their own. Yeah. Not just like, here's the metric, boom, you're out. Right. And, Cause people will get there. People don't want to be on the system. Right. People really, there's a, most people do not want, most people on the system do not want to be on the system. Agreed. But they don't have any choice because the metrics are so fucked that when you show a little bit of progress, they take a chunk away and that doesn't make any sense. Right. You're exactly right. And sometimes people just need to be heard. They need to be heard. And what I think about is that we have like, 
10 tons of bricks on our, on our shoulders. And then we're trying to communicate to people and they think that's who we are. That's not who we are. That's our situation. And people aren't their situation. People are themselves something completely different than what they're grunting to you from under the pressure that they have, you know? Right. And that's the thing is, is like, you know, I wish other people, I wish Marco Rubio could see that. You know what I mean? I wish I would, I honestly would love, I would honestly love to sit down and have this conversation with a bunch of conservative and and liberal politicians, not like the, the, the far ones. I want to talk to, I want to talk to the centrists. Mm -hmm. I do want to talk to the far ones too, because the reality is, is like, these are some simple things that mathematically you could actually sit down and, and research and prove. Right. And to, you know, conservatives would love it because it gets government out of the way and gets government out of doing all these things. Liberals would love it because it gets support to people who need support in a way that reduces, you know, that, that, you know, I would say creates a a system of community, right? Reduced fiscal, you know, reduced fiscal input over here, increased, support over here to get people out of the system creates a, a, a lack of reliance on a system eventually a phase exactly out, right? yeah. and 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 you know conservatives can go well that's not what liberals want and and yeah, liberals are going to go liberals are going to go well you know th- you know they'll never going they're never going to approve this because they want blah 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 and it's like you know both, neither of you want this reliance the system that's happening right now we have to agree on what the end goal is mm-hmm. and let's talk about what, how we get there. Yeah. Legalizing drugs is going to be a hard sell, but when I sit down and show you, you know, what the, when I can sit down and say, here's what the spend on policing is and here's how much that has actually made a positive effect right. versus, you know, if we were to a B this and say, here's what, you know, re, you know, uh, decriminalization has done, and tax creation has done on yeah. these things that you arguably don't like yeah. and, and use that to fund the system that has made an impact and gotten people off of the system. You've spent less money because that money's not coming from the feds. It's coming from people who are buying the things that you don't like to begin with. And they're, so those funding, people they're, are, they're funding their own safety net Bingo. because you just look so, at, look at Oklahoma who in the past year earned over a billion dollars from legalization of marijuana, Oklahoma. Republicans just realized that they could. Now, if you use that money, like Inslee uses it in a rainy day fund for emergencies that the legislator won't let him uh, like touch, you know what I mean? But if Oklahoma actually used that money for half of that money to support the safety net for the people that are using it, they'd still have $500 million. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is, is that, you know, by, by using that money to fund other healthcare needs and priorities that mm-hmm. get people off of drugs to begin with, especially coming out of an opioid crisis, like that's going to be the biggest transition that yep. needs to take place. Um, I mean, even for example, um, and, and this is one way to tie this in, you know, uh, Arizona has decided that because we have such a truck driver shortage and supply chain issues are, are, have gone to hell, right. They're actually going to be helping people in prison, get their CDLs. That's right. I love that and story. So, I love, the you know, stories. this is, yes, this is a great one. And, and here's why I say that. Yes. You have people that have records, but here's the thing, like there are a bunch of people that have records that it's not going to affect their ability to drive a truck. Right. And, and the thing is, is, is that if we're going to look at, you know, jail as an actual corrective action, mm-hmm. then you have to have a plan for people coming out of the system in order to help them from going back in like a truck driving job can be a $120,000 a year job. Sure can. Yeah. So, so why then would we want to create a system in such a way that, you know, for some other offenses that have literally no bearing on your ability to be a part of that supply chain? Mm-hmm. Why would you, why would you want to keep people from being able to participate in something that is absolutely fucking the system? Right. So I think this is a fantastic idea. My hope is, is that, um, it goes really well because guess what, you know, people who were struggling to get paid as it was 
now going to have a pretty damn good lifeline. Guess what? People who hire those truckers, like we've talked about, you know, when you hire people that have come out of the prison pipeline, they get a pretty substantial tax break. Why? Because when people aren't uh, doing things that would get them, when people aren't on the system, you're not paying for it. And number two, when people have the ability to hire people who are former inmates, you know, that recidivism drops significantly. Mm -hmm. So you want to get rid of the prison complex, get people working in, you know, in areas where we absolutely need, get people trained to work in, um, where their talents lie, where their talents lie. You know what I mean? Where, and, and where the money lies too. get people working in the truck driving industry, get people working in ports, get people working in, uh, you know, get people working in, um, you know, renewable energy mm-hmm. and infrastructure. People get people working on on roads, mechanics, agriculture. Um, there's so much road there's construction. So much, yeah, there's so much that you can get people in that you know, even if they had a record, yeah, you can you can figure out ways in which you know, if somebody is not a violent offender, they can get themselves to the point of working in a position that is going to lead to sustainable income and sustainable solutions, actual corrective solutions. Mm -hmm. So for as much as I have shit on, you know, the Arizona department of corrections over the years, I applaud this effort. I think that this is a great effort and I hope to see it expand beyond just getting CDLs. I would love to see it expand into other, uh, other sectors as well. And I, and I think, and I think there's a way to do it. So kudos. Um, I look forward to seeing how it works, what the results are and how you tweak it in order to do it better. You know, what's amazing about you, Jeffrey. You lead, hmm. you lead me into some of the most amazing segues. I got a story here about boiling behind bars and how the fact that our, you, you talked about Arizona and I thought about their tent communities, you know, their tent mm-hmm. incarceration communities and, um, climate change is actually going to begin drastically harming inmates due to do conditions of no air conditioning just simply something of no air air conditioning in a texas prison where it gets up above 110 degrees in a smoke-filled cell and the way they describe it i got the story right there but wow yeah like whoever thought climate change would be affecting prisoners do we care shouldn't they suffer Um, they should just suffer right well i mean uh, i I have a link to an advocate Cause group that is trying to uh, get air conditioning in prison. So I'm going to put that link in the description. Here's what I would say. Um, number one, uh, teach, you know, in, in these, you know, in these prison systems have a, have a, an AC manufacturing mm-hmm. uh, program. Yeah. Teach, teach inmates how to manufacture these air conditioning systems. School. Have, so it. that way, you know, so that way, number one, they're learning a skill. Mm-hmm. Number two, have them learn how to create, or have them learn how to install green energy solutions for these prisons. Hell yeah. That way, you know, you have, you know, the, these air conditioning units are going to be a significant draw on the system. So how can you, uh, offset that draw in such a way that these systems are going to be able to be powered by, you know, Mm -hmm. renewable energies. Now imagine if you gave a prisoner a living wage to do all this, you know what I mean? Like they would come out with a bank account, a job, a career, a diploma, a degree. You could put UTI next to this and they could learn how to work on trucks. You know what I mean? What's fantastic is, is that, you know, I would say that it does a couple of things. Number one, it allows the system to do what it has done in a way that not only benefits the system itself, because mm-hmm. you're, now you're going to have increased, you know, services within, you know, the prison system, but you're going to teach people how to do things that they can then, when they're done with the, you know, when they're done serving their sentences and that go out into the workforce and be a productive member of society doing what they learn. Okay. So the person, so one person might not be interested in, you know, setting up energy systems, but they might be interested in manufacturing air conditioning Mm -hmm. systems or they, you know, you've got somebody who might not be interested in, uh, manufacturing air conditioning systems, but they might be interested in HVAC, right. You know, because you're going to have to duct all this stuff. 
by teaching people how to do this job and getting them some base level mm-hmm. information to go out and journeyman behind someone, giving people options and opportunities is extremely important. Yeah. And if if you want certain things within the system, I would say, you know, it's not so much, you know, going in there and saying, you need to be doing this and you need to be doing that. And climate change is going to, it's like, Hey, we know that climate change is going to affect prisoners. Here's a series of options and solutions that I think that number one, the prison system could benefit from, but also number two, it gives you the option to teach people skills like manufacturing, like HVAC, like, you know, uh, energy solutions. Mm -hmm. And you then create a system of opportunities for people who didn't have opportunities before. And when they come out of the system, when they come out of uh, prison, they now have something, you know, that says, Hey, you have participated in this system. You have, you know, you have done your time. You have, we're, we're now, you know, giving you the green light to work in this, you know, work in this system. Here is our letters of recommendation. They, then they go to any number of these manufacturers or organizations or unions and say, Hey, look, this is what I was learning while I was, you know, in jail for the thing that I did. Here's my degree. I would like, I would like to keep expanding upon that. You give people the opportunity to learn something, give them solutions. And then you'll be surprised what happens when they're like, shit, I can actually make money at this. And it's actually good money. Mm -hmm. There was a time when you could go, when your choice was prison or the military. Right. Yep. And like, nobody wants to hire a prisoner, but everyone wants to hire a vet. You know what I mean? And it's because they learned something in the military. They weren't going to learn in prison. We need to, right. we need to expand on that theory. And yes, you have an aptitude test, a general aptitude test. You find where their aptitudes are and you nurture that and you grow that. And then you see where they are when their time is done. Imagine if being in prison was actually something that job recruiters looked for, you know? Mm-hmm. And imagine you know, just it, people people going for a simple, like, I could see people wanting to just go to, I think what what's amazing about this is that it could combine the public and the incarcerated at the same time to whereas incarcerated people are going to the same trade schools in an area that the public is going to. And it, so it would create something interesting and intersectionality where one would care about the other and people wouldn't be going to prison for a degree (laughs) but they would instead get a degree when they were incarcerated but i think we have to limit what we consider incarcerated i think some non-violent offenses don't need to be incarcerated but some violent offenders really need the most reform and i think even a murderer um needs a hobby they need to reform themselves. They need to better themselves. They need to be a better person more than most. So I think that's what we need to get used to is educating people, bettering each other. And so that's what we go on doing. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Public Access America, by the way. My name is Jason. His name is Jeffrey. And that wraps up pretty much everything in my note, but don't tell him that. So you mean don't tell me that don't tell him I was just saying that's about all I haven't left in my notes. (laughs) Well, I mean, that just means we get to move on to weird and interesting conversations. Oh, can we talk about what's what's on the news? And that's Donald Trump's new fiber heavy diet. (laughs) Oh my god. People don't eat paper. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, you know, koalas are going extinct, so some people find endangered don't animals. Don't eat koalas. That, Look, <laughs> we're, 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 we're two years into somebody eating something that's not food. Don't fucking do this to us again, please. My weird obsession, right? But he likes exotic papers. <laughs> he likes presidential papers. Some people like um, the endangered rhino horn, but not him. <laughs> he likes presidential papers, and they come out whole, apparently. Oh, well, they come out of a hole anyways. I thought they come out of an a hole's a hole. (laughs) Why was Donald Trump complaining about low flow toilets for so long? And then we find out that his toilet wouldn't flush executive papers. (laughs) It turns out, turns out wiping after you've eaten paper is a real difficult process. (laughs) What do you wipe with? Jesus Christ. Right. And I'm the poor person that had to like dig into that toilet, like you know, pull out the papers and then attempt to scotch tape them back together. I'm right. That's fucking wow. fun for somebody. But it went it went with all the lock it up, lock her up chance. So 
Hillary Clinton was missing 33,000 emails. When they were recovered, they found one confidential one that was upgraded to classified once they found it. And then Donald Trump like raked her over the coals for her inability to maintain government accounts and all that, which, you know, she did wrong. She used a private server. No, 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 no. But then Donald Trump goes and does all this. Like, do you know what a burn bag is? Like some, some stuff was so bad. They set it aside for a burn bag. Like some, Mm -hmm. some stuff has just gone forever, but he took, he took home the, the note from, um, Kim Jong Un, right? The love letters from Kim Jong Un. He took yeah. the, the map, the Sharpie Gate map. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ! Like I, I'm sorry, but like, like the fact that you are calling letters from a dictator love letters should just like throw up every fucking red flag under yeah. the fucking sun. And he took it home. Like, what danger oh. does that have? That Biden doesn't know where the relationship was. You know what I mean? Like, like we're all in the dark now. That that shit's just absolute cringe. Yeah, like stop stop writing love letters to dictators. Look, you know, like, I'm not saying like you need to you know all out go in for a fight, but I'm I am saying that you know the idea that we want to be looking at dictators as as who we want to suck up to is a, is an absolute no no. I'm not saying Biden's handling things with you know Russia or, or uh, China all that well, but. Uh, it definitely could be a lot better and it's um it's real frustrating it's really frustrating to see how that's going um because you had a year of trump doing whatever the fuck he wanted you know you had years of trump doing whatever the fuck he wanted with china and we're still not fixing that issue very well but then you had years of trump sucking up to putin and now putin's just like fuck it i'm gonna do what i want and you know, testing the waters and you've got Biden going, yeah, no, that's not going to fucking happen. So it's, it's one of those things where I am just like, ugh, the state of the world right now is an absolute shit show and I'm not enjoying this ride. Right. I don't know. I think it just happens every 10, 20 years and we just got to get you. Oh, absolutely. I remember being a kid, not really caring about Nixon at all. And it was like one of the worst times in existence. Right. Oh, fucking A. That that was not a good one. Right. Okay. So Ron DeSantis says, don't say gay. How do you feel about that? Gay. Gay. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> like, who the, like, once again, you know, like, this is a tough one mm. in that, you know, what I saw was, was like, you know, it's, it's targeted at kids in grade three and lower. Ah. So I, I, I'm, I am not the person to to have that discussion with. I think okay. people I like, didn't read the book. I think people like I think people like Debbie, you know, in in it would be a much better person to have that conversation with. Okay. But but I will say that, you know, as you know, a family that's very open about sex and sexuality and, and understanding, it's like it's kind of like that whole like if you make something taboo mm-hmm. and then a kid finds out about it, they're like, Ooh, I'm going to do this. Cause it's taboo. My parents don't like it. I'm gonna whereas, try you know, <laughs> yeah. Whereas, you know, if, you know, whereas here in this house, we've been very open and honest about a number of things. And the kids have understood topics like this from home mm-hmm. for a very long period of time. Like now, even from our perspective, like there's a lot of stuff that school teaches that we're like, Oh, that's pretty fucking cringe, bro. Like that's not good information at all. Right. And so I, like, I can understand like, you know, not wanting the school to potentially teach certain things, but not because it shouldn't be taught, but because I think the information's bad Right. that they're using, you know? Uh, so, so there is, I would say some common ground there. It's, 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 you know, when you, when you have the school teaching bad information, mm-hmm. it don't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, bad information negatively affects everybody. Right. And, 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 and then also too, you know, like you do have that question of, you know, what is the parent's responsibility and what is the school's responsibility? And and there is, there is a balance that has to be struck at some point. And I agree, you know, that's, and, and that's a tough one. I don't think that the government should be deciding it so much as, you know, the government should be saying, Hey, we don't think that we should be teaching kids, 
uh, younger than, you know, grade three and younger about these things and put it to the community for a vote and see what they agree on. Not necessarily going to agree that, you know, the school shouldn't be teaching it, but I could also say that, you know, I might not necessarily agree with what the, the information that they're using either. And so that's where it just gets absolutely, it's, it's, this is a far more difficult topic than fucking DeSantis, you know, threw in on. I think you nailed it though. A, a school can't teach a child something wrong if a child, uh, if a parent has already taught them something right. You know, like the way you taught your kids, any news, any information that comes their way through the school they already they already have the information to process that. But when you're teaching a kid right. that doesn't know what a penis is, what gay is, then that might be an issue. You know exactly. And that's and that's the thing is like, I, like I said though, but or non-gay uh, by I, the, I, non, or non-gay. Like I don't know why there would be any sexual direction <laughs> required in, right. in in like kindergarten. So I don't. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, and that's and I think that's the difficulty is is that. You know, we all have different opinions on what, when something is quote unquote age appropriate, mm-hmm. you know, you know, for us, you know, it was about normalizing the fact that there are different people out there that have different, you know, needs, desires, wants, they're different. They have different, you know, lives that they live and mm-hmm. that, you know, those lives are okay. You know, that's, you know, there's going to be people out there that say that they aren't and they're wrong this is actually pretty normal and normalizing those lives is is actually absolutely key now in terms of what the appropriate messaging is when it's appropriate to start talking about it how you address those things that is that is a conversation for somebody far smarter on it than i am that's a conversation for a parent that is tuned into their child Absolutely. Because, you know, you know, every, every kid has, has a different, even then every kid has a different level of, I'm ready to talk about this. Uh Yeah. You know, I've got, you know, you got one kid who's like, I'm not into any of it. I don't want to talk about any of it. I don't, don't want anything to do with any of it. And you got one kid who's curious and interested and trying to figure out who they are. What are you going to do? Sit them both down and be like, all right, you're going to be uncomfortable while we go over all these other things with your, with your sibling. And exactly. so like, I mean, no. I didn't have, I didn't have a sexual identity at all until around 13. You know, I just didn't even consider it. But what I do say, right. is it's somebody's absolute right to explore their options. Like absolutely, there is no absolutes. And I always say like, I don't think I'm gay, but I haven't met Brad Pitt yet. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) nothing is forever. It's, it's okay to try something and not like it and try something else. You are free to be whoever you want to be in the moment you want to be. If you're feeling masculine, then go ahead and feel masculine. It's okay. It's not hurting the world. If you're feeling feminine, come give me a hug. That's fine too. You know what I mean? I just like hugs in general. I don't care who it comes from. I watched a movie. I think it was Iron Man hugging Spider-Man. And I was like, oh, I really miss hugs. (laughs) Hugs are great. No matter, no matter what you do. Yeah. If you get a good hug, there's nothing can beat that. Right. No. And that's, and that's the thing is, is that, um, being open and honest with your kids about about what life looks like and and the variety of life there is but teaching them and it's none of your fucking business that's the key it's like i don't care if two dudes decide to you know decide to hold hands while they're grocery shopping not my business two women decide that they want to hold hands not my business Mm. somebody trans and somebody non-binary want to hold hands not my business whatever they do behind the comfort of their own closed doors not my business right like there's so much that literally has absolutely nothing to do with me or my kids it's like cool they're happy yeah what their happiness is not my business. 99% does not affect me. 99% of other people's business has nothing to do with you and you don't need to judge it or have an opinion on it at all. Right. Go bake a pie before you share your radical weird opinion about the way somebody should live. <laughs> they, we get to we get to make our own mistakes and sometimes the life lesson is somebody else's and you're just there to be support. You don't need an opinion. You just need to help them at the right time. You know what I mean? And, and here's, and here's the other reality is, is that, you know, you have to be prepared to defend your opinion at any given point in time. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to accept that your opinion may be wrong. 
and there may be consequences to your opinion. And that's something that, you know, I have been willing to accept. Like there are going to be certain conservative groups out there that think that my opinion is absolute trash. And they think uh, that I'm probably, you know, an abomination for accepting and even, uh, you know, going as far as to say, you know, it should be normalized. That's great. I'm happy to hear that from them and go, okay, cool. And move on. They're not because a, guess what? They don't affect me. <laughs> they're, they're them in themselves. They're not a monolithic group. Even when it, within that group judging you, there's various forms of opinion. Oh yeah, you I know. know I, mean? I know plenty of I know plenty of Republicans and Christians who are like, yeah, gay people are wired the way that they are. Doesn't affect me. Well, what I'm saying is, we all we all find our eagerness to be in a box to diversify diversify ourselves out of the box to be mm-hmm. unique. We're, we don't need the box at all. My friend said. I think my daughter wants to be transgender. And I said, then let her dress the way she wants. Let her be who she wants. Let her use the pronouns that she wants. And once she starts investing her money into it, you'll know it's real. But until then, just support her, you know? Public Access America. It's always funny because, like, especially because as you know, libertarians, we get a ton of shit, even amongst other libertarians. We're... I think political philosophy is a lot like religion and where there's moments you have to go on faith and trust what somebody else is saying. The main the main focus is it's like less dependence on the government because, well, we've seen how that's gone. And you don't have to do that if you think about it in a human way. You know, more dependence on connections with each other. But you can always bring it back to what would one human do for another? What would a hundred do for a hundred? People looking out for people. Find Public Access America anywhere you find your favorite podcast every Sunday and Thursday. And join the chat on YouTube at Public Access America every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Communities looking out for community. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. In the making. In the making. Well, and well, and that's the thing is like you know, as 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 they say, you know, it's not wants to be. They you know, they either are trans or they aren't, and that's 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 the thing. Well, wants to wants to begin exploring it. How about that? Uh, there you go. There, you know, wants they want to you know explore their identity. Right. Great, perfect. And that's the thing is, is like there, you know, that's there's a number of people that are willing to explore it in a number of different ways. Some mm-hmm. people are willing to be very out in the open about it. Some people are very private about it. And guess what? It's only your business if that person wants you to be a part of that. Yeah, right. And to think that you otherwise they don't give a shit. Like everybody's thought about it. Do I? Do I? No, not me personally. Like, but I've thought about it because I have well, friends that that are transitioning, that are in transition, or have transitioned, or have thought about it. Young children. So I know people that this topic affects them and. I, my job mm-hmm. is to stay neutral and have no opinion, but listen and care, you know? Exactly. Your, your job is to support the person that, mm-hmm. you know, you may not be sitting, you may not be sitting down, you know, lending financial support or, you know, any, any number of things, but, you know, in the end, you want the person to be happy and successful, right? Right. Great. Then that's all that matters because a person that's happy and successful doesn't have all these other weights of the world on them. And that's, you know, it's, you, you don't need to be uh, adding any pressures to that. Right. And so that's, that's one of those things where. Is there really school curriculums that are teaching kids sexual identity and preferences and gender identity and preferences in kindergarten, first, second, third grade? I mean, when are they starting? I'm just kind of curious, you know? I, I want to say that like, I don't the know. Basic. <laughs> I want to say like like basic health knowledge is like starting around fifth grade, right? In Washington State, I mean, if I remember correctly. I had health fifth classes or sixth grade. in junior high, but I never learned about that stuff before that, you know? Yeah, same. Like, I want to say sixth grade is when my stuff started. And it really just started with, you know, the basics. Hey, you guys are a bag of hormones that are starting yeah. to go through puberty or will be going through puberty very soon. I love that. And, and that was really about it. You know, it's like, hey, this is the this is the moment of time in your body where things are going to start going fucking weird on you. You're going to be talking like a squeaker. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, 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 I did that, you know, and 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 realistically, the idea like the idea that they might be teaching kids younger than that in school. I don't I have never seen it. I'm not saying that it exists or doesn't exist. I'm saying I've never seen it. I've never experienced it. Mm -hmm. 
as 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 an adult who's gone through school and as an adult who's had kids have gone through school. Now, I think that some states are starting, you know, to talk about, you know, later on in junior high, they're starting to talk about uh, sexuality and, ident- and gender identity. And I, you know, don't know that they're doing a great job on it. That's right. I, as a parent, that's my concern is, is you know, if you're going to teach it, are you using accurate information? I don't know that they're necessarily doing a great job on it. Well, they can't, you know, because they can't invest resources in it because it's always being right. attacked, you know, and honestly, it's a one-on-one discussion. Here's the range of possibilities. Go home and talk to your parents. If one of them triggers something in you, you know, like there's right. so many things that I never knew existed until somebody brought it up as a perspective, you know? And then suddenly it's all I can think about. Like, I'm not homeless. I was homeless three months once when I was 18. You know what I mean? Like, do I have my own home? No. Do I have a roommate? Yes. I rent a place. So I'm kind of on the spectrum, but I could lose everything pretty quickly, you know? But I don't like the fact that nobody considers homeless people as as people. Like, I don't understand why we wouldn't just want to help them. I don't understand the apathy of saying, ha I get somebody to look down on. So I want to keep them there so I can look down on them, you know? Well, and, and, and then, you know, we have this perception of what having a home versus being housed looks like, look, mm-hmm. you know, does anybody who doesn't own, uh, their living situation homeless, you know, cause you know, for example, like we're paying off a mortgage so we're you know we're not homeless right but during the times when we were you know in an apartment you know we were housed you were housed necessarily home right and so and so one of the things that i've learned about is like really that that transition of you know we're not calling people homeless call them houseless right because they don't they just they don't have uh you know a roof over their people without homes a home is something different than a roof and home yeah homes and housing like you, there's so much nuanced conversation around and i'm not it. saying and, that so that you need to give sympathy to more people what i'm saying that is that the sympathy you're trying to give to people without homes isn't it doesn't end at just shoving them in a storage unit right there's more right. to having a home than just a roof over your head right so it's it's you know the it's one of those things where people have to be, you know, people have to consider what that looks like. And realistically, you know, somebody who's going to be exposed to the elements night after night after night, Mm. you know, they're going to do things to help make their experience more tolerable, especially if they can't stay warm, they're going to do things that, you know, definitely don't help or, you know, help them forget help them forget the fact that they're in the situation that they are. I mean, if, if I couldn't get any help, but I could get drugs, I'm not, it probably would be in the similar boat. Yeah. I just, I want people to think about the scared kid in the dark. That's homeless. You know what I mean? I want them to have an empathy. They're not, they're not all crazy lunatics and the crazy lunatics that you see could be a veteran that you should be respecting you know what i mean you know, a family who knows what that person saw that absolutely broke their mind right we don't give a lot of support to them and that's the thing is is that it it shouldn't it shouldn't take a a curriculum of worthiness to want to help them right yes thank you so kind of like religion in the fact that you don't get to choose who you help you you help what what's in front of you anyway any any wrap-up statement i can't believe the rams won 63 to 10 last week (laughs) wait i can't Uh, believe the bengals won 47 to 20 last week there we go now i just don't know which one to edit (laughs) i can't i can't i can't believe that the cincinnati Bengals somehow drafted this person by the name of don grady nice Wow, I don't know. Uh, what are we gonna do about that? Like the Super Bowl's coming. I don't even care. Like, wow, oh, we didn't even talk about racism in the NFL because it's just so obvious. Like we all know it's happening, right? Oh God, <laughs> it's happening as much as the the you know brain damage is happening in it. So, oh my God. Oh yeah, let's wrap up on that real quick. Brain damage. Bob Saget falls backwards, no apparent injuries, but dies of a head injury, a head trauma. What the yeah. fuck? Wow. In a hotel room? They don't know. They yep. think maybe he slipped in a tub or he was attacked. He had 
eye socket damage, stuff like that. Wow. Do you know anything about this? I'm so yeah, sad. I was I'm reading. So I was reading about that, and then yeah, it looks like you know, you know what they're saying is they don't see any foul play. It looks like he hit his head and then you know went to sleep. And yeah, you, you, there's no signs of a struggle, no defensive marks or anything like that. You know, it's just you know a person fell and hit their head. And yet, look, as somebody who's had a concussion, a severe concussion, that shit's scary as it is. Yeah, it is. And you and you and that's the thing is, is like you feel all right, and then suddenly you want to go to sleep, mm-hmm. and that's a problem. You, you because you can't go to sleep at that point. Right. So it's definitely not cool. It's not fun. It sucks really hard. Yeah. And and that's one of those ones where if you hit your head hard enough. You know, you definitely, it's definitely a good idea to get a ride to a medical center and get some attention and and make sure everything's all right. You know, I've got countless friends that have had countless different versions of head trauma, be it from sports, be it from, you know, ranching, be it from the military, be it from, uh, you know, just, you know, you can't fucking put one foot in front of the other, you know, the problem there is, is that, you know, with with head trauma it's like you smack your head hard enough it's like all right i gotta i've gotta try and and monitor myself and that's you know especially as you get older and you you're losing that level of independence that you once had you know Mm -hmm. this is where this is where like you know we end up having a bunch of the elderly fall down and and hit their heads and that's it they're you know they're gone that way it's not seniors try and hide their mistakes every time and that's and that's the thing is, is that, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be independent, but you know, even for some of us, you know, that are still a, a bit younger, smacking your head really fucking hard is not a good day. And it, it doesn't go away. Like, I think people have these opinions that like the pain is over. Like the people's talk about deaths and gun violences. And I want to remind people that you don't necessarily die in a gunshot attack. You could be, um, disabled, crippled, permanently mm-hmm. affected. And some to a lot of people, that's worse. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. we should end gun violence because you might still live with the pain. <laughs> right, right. So you know, that's one of those things where you know you gotta you gotta be careful about this shit. Yeah. And it sucks, you know, to lose a titan of comedy like that. You know, from a head injury. Yeah. But that's a very realistic possibility, not just for somebody getting, you know, in and out of the fucking shower, but for people who go out and put themselves on the line to entertain you on a Super Bowl Sunday. Right. You know, you, you look at, there've been some fucking scary injuries out there. Yeah. Uh, I like one of the, I want to say is that one, there's a one from the Raiders. There was a guy from the Raiders that ended up breaking a guy's neck and, um, I, I, I forget who it is. Yeah. Maybe no, I and, just, and, it was just last week it happened, right? Or the week before? No, no, no. This was, this was like in the seventies. Oh, oh, okay. That, yeah, that and just so happened though. This like last week, somebody got hit so hard. They broke their neck and had to be carted yep. off the field. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, there's been several of those. A legal and, hit, um, a legal hit too. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, this person, you know, this person from the seventies could never walk again. And this dude felt so bad that they became best friends Uh and, you know, he spent his life helping this person that he's injured, you know, while playing the game. And he just, he couldn't play the game the same after that, because that was too, that was a bridge too far for him. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is like, you know, sometimes we get so wrapped up because we love big hits. Let's not lie. We love to see somebody get absolutely fucking crunched on the field. But then you, but then that, but then that time that the person doesn't get up, it gets fucking scary. Yeah. And I've been there and it's fucking scary. Uh, you know, maybe it's my maturity, but I used to love big hits. Now I love big catches. The old old Beckham (laughs) one-handed catch in the end zone. I love that shit, man. Oh, I love to see a good escape, you know, and I, my defense was my favorite position to play. Like I, like I watched Lawrence Taylor play football and that's right. how I learned. That's, that was my position. Yeah. That's, that's what I played and I was goddamn good at it. And that was my thing. It was like, I loved big hits, but I, lo- you know, it was, it was very much a, it was, it was a chess for me trying to figure out what play they were going to run and, you know, fucking stop it. Right. And, and I, and that's what happened was, is I figured out how this quarterback worked and I went in and gave him a big fucking hit. And unfortunately he, he turned around just in time to see me coming and we went helmet to helmet. And mm. that was that, you know, he got carted off the field and I, you know, ended up 
in the hospital too with a massive concussion, a major and, concussion. And you're still dealing with it to this day. Yep. That's the thing. Yeah. And, then, and that's, and that's, and, and after that, that's when I decided I couldn't play football anymore. But the worst, the worst case scenario is dealing with it the rest of your life. I mean, that's the best case scenario after a head injury is dealing with it. Yeah. yeah the best case scenario after, you know, you know, at, at best, you're going to be dealing it with, with it for the rest of your life. And unfortunately, at worst is the rest of your life isn't very long. Right. Exactly. I love you, Jeffrey. Love you too. Go enjoy your day. Give everybody a hug. Um, tell Debbie we want to talk to them. You know, we want to get them on sometime soon. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, shit. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and a yielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. Nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. Ask not, yes, we can. What your country can do for you, I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. I, poor little children, yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. To public, to public access, access America. America. Yes, we can. Sunday live streams Sunday on live YouTube. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. On Twitter. Twitter. Apple, Apple Podcasts. Podcast, Stitcher, Stitcher Radio, Smart Radio, 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 Radio Public. And Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access public America. Access history America. in the making. Making history in the making. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.